1: On DAB, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. This is Talk Wrestling on TalkSport 2. Welcome to Talk Wrestling on TalkSport. I am alex mccarthy bringing you your weekly dose of wrestling goodness on the airwaves here in the uk thank you so much for joining us on a jam-packed show where we are reviewing forbidden door previewing money in the bank and we have a chat with the man himself Miro. thanks to all of you that are joining us this week on talk wrestling we're always delighted to have your company i'm alex mccarthy Will Gavin has a, been a busy boy. So have I, actually, with all the uh, Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk developments in the boxing world. But thought we'd carve out a little bit of time to get you the wrestling you deserve. Um, but we will be jumping into a little bit of news. And we do have a good 20 25 minute chat with Miro to close the show on. So plenty for us to delve into in the in the world of wrestling this week. Hmm, Forbidden Door wasn't bad, was it? It wasn't a bad show at all. It was, you know, it was my daughter's birthday, her fourth birthday on Monday. So I knew I wouldn't be able to stay up and last the whole time because you know anyone who has kids know on their birthday. They are not made they're not mucking around. They're not at all. So I had to have the energy. I watched about an hour and a half of the show and it was a good start. It really was. Um, you know, Jericho, of course, opened up with the the mixed tag. It's basically an ongoing chapter with Jericho and Kingston, but, you know, it it did have the Suzuki element. Jericho has said that he wanted to work with Suzuki before, and I did think we were going to get a bit of tension there, to be honest. I thought there might be some foreshadowing for down the road, but instead, all the sex gods reunited, Sammy Guevara alongside Jericho, and Suzuki got the victory over Kingston, Shota Amino and uh, Wheeler Utah. And of course, that that means the winning team has a man advantage in blood and guts on Wednesday, which by the time this has gone out will have uh, occurred. So looking forward to that. But, you know, uh, Shooter Umino did really, really well in this match and was a big standout, as you would hope. Uh, He's been in America, of course, pretty much stranded since the pandemic. And he's kind of been working over there and showcasing what he's all about. But this was the biggest stage he's had since that time uh, and he looked great jericho again being involved in a very entertaining matchup to me the standout moment was of course kingston suzuki chopping trades and it's not like it's not like i haven't seen suzuki do that before i saw him do it with Samoa and a few months ago and many times prior to that moxley as well but um there's something about kingston and his love for japanese wrestling you know if you follow him on twitter you'll see him tweet favorite matches from down the years in many different promotions, not just new Japan. It's just something about that exchange that that had the magic and you could tell that the crowd knew it, which made it that much more engaging. So I thought that was very cool. FDR winning the winner takes all tag team championship match, which included their ring of honor world tag titles, as well as the IWGP tag team championships uh, that was on the line. It was really good stuff. United Empire uh, were involved with Groto Khan and Jeff Cobb, uh, you know, not Aussie Open, it should be mentioned. And Rapongi Vice, of course, Rocky Romero, Trent Barretta involved as well. The, the break, as is normally the case with these multi team matchups, the, the match down the home stretch was probably the best. Um, Love seeing, you know, hit the big rig. FDR are now in position to claim all the gold if they can beat their old nemesis, the Young Bucks and become the AEW World Tag Team Champions. So, If we get Young Bucks, FDR 3, I think it's finally poised. The first matchup, FDR ruined themselves by uh, trying to beat the Young Bucks at their own game with a 450. Didn't come off. Young Bucks got the win. We didn't see them again for about a year uh, before FTR then kind of beat the young bucks are trying to, I should say, the young bucks are trying to beat FTR at their game with the technical wrestling and all that stuff. So it's one all goes into the cider with all the belts on the line. Presumably this is there's no confirmation of that, but AEW would be silly not to explore that. You've got to say they would be silly to not go FTR and young bucks. I mean that could that could main event a pay per view. Probably won't because I imagine all out will be. Uh, the interim AEW champion, which we'll get to shortly and CM Punk. But even so you really could do the young bucks and FTR. It's probably the the best. Certainly one of the longest, but one of the best crafted tag team stories in recent memory from AEW or WW. I mean, WW don't really give a crap about tag team wrestling, but at least the Usos has been pushed strongly, I guess. Either way. That is a big matchup that they've got in their back pocket. It looks like we're going to get, uh, and I can't wait. Pack doing it for the Brits. Uh, Pack came through the first bit of Geordie's success since about 1955. Pack got the victory over Clark Connors, who showed out, by the way. Late addition for Ishii, but he did show out. He won the crowd over with uh, you know his spells in the matchup where he went on the offensive. Really, really good stuff. Miro, who I personally thought they were going to strap up, but. You know, uh, SB3, a guy that I do uh, a YouTube show with on a Monday, did make a good point, though. Wouldn't it have been a sideways step for Miro? You know, he did such a great run with the TNT title that why, w- why would you put the All-Atlantic on him? You know, a title that many of us feel is fairly redundant anyway, but um, he should really be heading to face main eventers, and that's fair. And Malachi Black as well. Like, I felt with this match, I couldn't really lose. I liked all of the talent involved. Whether it was Pac, Malachi, or Miro was highly unlikely it was going to be Clark Connors. But whether it was either of those three, I didn't feel like I could lose. And there's a good case for how it could have helped either one of them. You know, Malachi Black establishing the House of Black and having something to hang their stable on, I do think has potential. But Pac, it's kind of it's not forgotten. I don't I don't want to be too harsh, but he is one of the best wrestlers in the world, bar none. All of the wrestlers in the business will tell you that. I can't tell you how many people have told me just how in awe they are of the ability that Pac has and the things that he can do. So you look at it from that perspective and you go, you know, it's about time they actually gave him some silverware. But Because in the pandemic, they couldn't push him because he was only there occasionally, couldn't travel. So now we're getting an established run of Pac. Yes, he does need to have something attached to him like that dudes with attitude was next a nice nod back to sting in his wcw days him and darby allen with shingo takagi against bullet club or the reunion of the bullet club i should say el Fantasmo, matt jackson and nick jackson this was great <laughs> like the usage of sting continues to be one of AEW's greatest victories the guy is like 62 63 he's doing dives he's using his spots well even when he no-sells, which to some people is really infuriating, it's done in such a charismatic way that he has the capacity to make those that he's no-selling more in- interesting, almost. It's, 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 it's very difficult to explain. I-, I loved all of those spots, and the way that he just said, nope, there will be no super kick party today, honestly, it was, it was tremendous to watch, and great use of him. Um, but Shingo, man, you've heard about this for a long time where Shingo Takagi could be one of the best wrestlers in the world for the past few years arguably the best uh, I'm not an avid New Japan watcher although you know I want to get a subscription after this pay-per-view for sure but I have watched obviously G1s and I watch always watch Wrestle Kingdom and he's really impressed me but just something about the US fans watching Shingo work it, it, it took it up an extra level right like do you know what I mean? I saw him in a vein that I hadn't quite appreciated his talent to that extent. Because I just think there's something with the engagement of a US crowd as opposed to the quieter Japanese fans where, man, it's just that guy's a star. Anyway, enough of me rambling about how Shing- Shingo Takagi is a great wrestler. We all know this. Uh, the point is, I enjoyed him and the fans enjoyed him, which helped my enjoyment more. Okay? Sorry for the poor wording, um, but nevertheless, moving along, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm—they went about ten minutes for the women's title, the only women's match on the card worth remembering. Tony Storm uh, does have a jacket, decorated, a, a decorated background in Japan, very successful in Stardom, and Tony Khan did admit after the show that they had wanted to work something out with Stardom, but they had a pay per view on the same day and getting talents visas post-pandemic is problematic so it's something that they're trying to make work in the future but they couldn't make work on this occasion um it happens it would have been awesome if we could have had some of those ladies involved but still we'll have Thunder Rosa here with Tony Storm uh and and to fair, they had good chemistry but I was kind of surprised how much of the match Rosa dominated and then picked up a clean victory over Storm um this early in her AEW tenure. I mean, she's only lost to Britt Baker and, and Rosa, so it's not it's not a damning judgment by any stretch of the imagination. But still, I, I thought for a face versus face matchup, Storm might have had more of the proceedings. But alas, uh, Rosa retains, and I do think her title reign needs a, a a jolt. It needs some electricity behind it because her chase to the belt. And that feud with Britt Baker has been more electric than her reign as champion thus far. I don't think that's unfair to say. So an amazing talent, naturally, but I think Tony Khan needs to find a real hot feud for her and quick, um, because otherwise it's just a, a stagnating process. Will Ospreay was next out with Orange Cassidy. Now, this was the match-up where everyone was going, oh, what a waste of Will Ospreay all of the matchups AEW could do for Will Ospreay and they give him Orange Cassidy. Now, anybody who felt that way was incredibly short-sighted. You obviously forgot what pack and Orange Cassidy was like a couple of years ago on pay-per-view. And these two went 16 minutes, 45 seconds here. And it was incredible. It was for me, it was match of the night. The action was relentless. It was meshed perfectly with Cassidy's character work and the slow kicks, Osprey's uh, dissent, you know, his, his fury at having to take that in front of a live crowd, um, and then Orange Cassidy laying in the kicks as a result. Uh, it, uh, it, was, it was really a perfect crescendo to the finish. No problem with Will Osprey retaining the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Um, but it was just so so much fun. Um, the only thing I, I would have perhaps—and this is uh, criticise—is really a harsh word. But an observation, we'll call it an observation. After he did the two Oscars, Cassidy kicked out, Orange Punch kick out, and then uh, the elbow that Osprey does—the running elbow from behind—he hits that, and everyone thinks it's over. But then Cassidy kicks out. The way how up the crowd got there in the United Center in Chicago, how everybody got to their feet, it was one of the loudest points of the night. But Osprey, they didn't drink it in enough, right? They didn't like pan out the camera perhaps and just soak in the atmosphere. What they did was Osprey then went straight to his finish, right? Uh, that Storm Zero or Stormbreaker, whatever it is, um, and he he puts him down and gets the three count. But I just felt like there was that magical moment there where maybe Osprey could have sold. What was happening? More uh, his disbelief and just 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 let it breathe for a second. Far be it from me to tell them what to do, but it was just I I, I was kind of really excited by that moment. So um, otherwise, though, the action was just sensational. It really was. Um, and again, that's a common trait for this card right the way through. That's not exactly startling information from me. Next up, Zack Sabre Jr. and his replacement was not his replacement, his opponent as a replacement for Brian Danielson was Claudio Castagnoli, who is the former Cesaro in WWE. I, I, I mean, this, this was billed as a technician face off, right. As, as great technical wrestling and Sabre jr brought that as he always does. Uh, but Claudio, he was more of the powerhouse, uh, certainly in the land of AW where he's bigger than most wrestlers. Um, it wasn't the true technical map-based encounter that you would have got with Danielson. But Zaber Jr. has referenced that since they've met. He's cut that in a promo. It seems that they're leading somewhere, perhaps a Japan event later this year. Either way, Zaber Jr. wants to write that wrong. Uh, Cascinoli gets the victory in 18 minutes and 30 seconds to make a great AEW debut, the newest member of the Blackpool Combat Club, Already, he feels like a bigger deal than he did for large stretches of his WWE career. Uh, and he, he, he fitted he fit right. You know, we've all pined for Claudio to have more, well, most of us have, in WWE for years. And whenever he got to that spot, it was kind of like a token thing. You know, like, you're a great worker, but you're not going to be the guy. Well, it looks like AEW is going to give him the chance to do so, especially if that Tony Khan hug is anything to go by. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, one, uh, just type Tony Khan hug into Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Uh, the next matchup was the four way for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Jay White would retain against Hangman, Adam Page, Kazuka Akada, and Adam Cole. Uh, again, as with the rest of the matches, I mean, this one went the longest of the night 21 minutes dead. But the, I mean, the action was, was, was scintillating. Uh, Okada was on the back foot for long stretches, but then you could just see with his babyface comeback and the presence that he has, Man, what a star that man is. That The main narrative in the matchup was, of course, the union of White and uh, Cole, kind of bullet club running buddies for large stretches, different eras, but, you know, kind of bonded by the brotherhood, as it were. And uh, I would say that, with White and Cole opposite Paige and Okada, there were some really interesting moments of kind of, it's almost a tag team match in spells. But then you've got White, when they're standing there trading off in the middle of the ring, 2v2, White then chops Cole to remind you that it is every man for himself. Um, but everyone, what they are talking about, though, is the finish. So, you know, finishes are getting hit left, right and centre. But Okada can't hit his finish the rainmaker or whatever. He can't hit it. Cole ducks out of it a couple of times. And when he ducks out of it the last time, he just falls down, um, allowing Jay White to hit his finish. And instead of pinning the man that he landed it on, he then goes and pins Cole. And Cole tries to kick out at three, kind of looks all awkward, looks like he might have done. But then the ref counts it. And the music plays. It looks all very awkward in the ring. Jay White has to speak to the referees, clearly saying a lot of stuff in his ear. It obviously wasn't how it was meant to go down. I think the end result was still the same. I still think Jay White's meant to be the winner, but how we got there is questionable. And Adam Cole, if reports to be believed, coming out of the event, he suffered a concussion. So not great, not great, uh, especially with all of the injuries that are swamping the wrestling industry right now Uh, and that kind of leads us into the main event where John Moxley would become the AEW Interim World Champion he defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, again. it was a really kind of physical matchup where uh, Moxley would bleed a lot, like a stuffed pig at times, it was just blood raining down his face from a seemingly usual spot really, I think it, it it was just a clothesline really and the next thing you know he's busted wide open um, but still, putting the title on Moxley is a good decision, bringing him back to Punk later this year. Uh, and again, he's the first two-time AEW World Champion in history at this point. It was a good way to cap off the pay-per-view, but the, the reason, you know, we, we, the, the closing angle to think about, and this goes back to Claudio Casinoli's debut, is the there was all chaos at the end, right? And you've got Jericho's, uh, you know, Jericho Association Society with... Daniel Garcia, and you know, it's all kicked off, Battle Combat Club. Uh, but it's Claudio Casnoli who comes down and he's the one who stands tall. He's like the lasting image. He's the only one who gets his music played. He comes down, he clears house. You know, just from the outset, he is a big deal. Uh, and again, I don't know how many times in WWE that he was the focal point, but he was at the end of this pay-per-view. Um, and it was a great pay-per-view, one that you'd have to say... you. I think all intentions from certainly from New Japan side, they've made this clear. in Tony Khan, they want to make this an annual event. And I know that they there's a desire to have make it happen in Japan as well, which will have its own kind of lust, I guess. Um, but I do think the American audience actually added to this event on this occasion. But you have to considering all of the injuries that plagued this this show and the matches had to get changed around as a result time and time again, this was a massive success, way over delivered. We'll stand the test of time, perhaps in the same vein as like a 2005 one night stand with ECW. This is a great way to kick off this forbidden door concept. Uh, And AW can be very, very pleased with the business they've done. Moving on. Anyway, there's more pressing business this week with WWE Money and the Bank. Thank you for listening to Talk Wrestling. It is still I, Alex McCarthy. Thank you for checking out the podcast again this week. The hits don't stop coming. Forbidden Door's gone. Money in the Bank is approaching. We're not going to dive into the card too much here before we get to our Miro interview. Um, There are six matches. But as with some Money in the Bank events it's more about the ladder matches right you know who's going to win the money in the bank contracts rather than the rest of the matches that fill out the card you look at ronda rousey versus natalia i think if we asked 100 people 100 people are going to think ronda rousey is going to win there is no danger of natalia beating her for the title bianca valer versus Carmella. does anybody believe apart from Carmella, obviously that Carmella is going to win this encounter no, they don't. These these are tile matches that are put together with foes that aren't going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. So right there and then, you've, you've got a shortened field of what you can actually do on the pay-per-view. And this is just, I guess it's down to Champion and Challenger to make these interesting to watch for us, which I'm sure they will be, but it's just that the result isn't in doubt. So there's not too much to get excited about, for me, anyway. But then... You got the Usos and the Street Profits. Again, I know that's going to be a great encounter. Do I think the Bloodline are losing titles anytime soon? No, no, I don't. New York Theory and Bobby Lashley, where Theory's you know, the United States champion, youngest ever. He's kind of on this super push as Vince McMahon's protege, which is not necessarily a good thing these days. And then you look at Bobby Lashley, okay, he's a bona fide star and he's come out on top of Amos o- in their feud. Whichever way you look at it, Theory is on the super push. I think they're building towards Theory and Cena at some stage. Probably not SummerSlam. That seems too soon. But the little interaction they had backstage, all the social media posts and all of this good stuff. And Theory as well, as we've heard on this show, hasn't been shy in talking about his admiration for Cena growing up. I think that could be a WrestleMania match at some stage. Cena, in theory, really passing the torch. Whether people want that or not is another question, but I think his surge and good booking in WWE will continue, and it will continue here at Money in the Bank. To the Money in the Bank ladder matches. We've got Seth freaking Rollins. Yeah, that's right. I said freaking. Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, Riddle, and one other to be announced, presumably on SmackDown or perhaps kept as a surprise. The women, we've got Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Asuka, Shotzi and the last entrant who secured her place in the main event on Raw is Becky Lynch. I think my Alexa just went off at home because I'm talking about Alexa Bliss and she's now... never mind. Anyway, moving back to the Money in the Bank matches. uh, We're not going to Evaluate them too hard, but I would have liked to have seen Bailey return and win the women's briefcase. But in lieu of that, I could see WWE giving it to Lacey Evans, Fourth of July, ex-Marine. She was going to have a big push before she went away and had a baby, of course, for WrestleMania. I could see it. The return. I could see it. I would like to see Liv Morgan. She's made a lot of progress over the past few months, uh, maybe going back to a year. I'd like to see what they do with Liv Morgan. Um, It could be Becky, though. I know that seems like the easy option, but they've had this long route to get her back into this match. And I just feel like, I mean, I think they've kept away from Bianca Belair so that they can do that at SummerSlam. But I do wonder what the narrative is going to be of Becky Lynch coming out of this matchup. That's one to watch, but Lacey Evans or Liv Morgan if they want to make someone, and that goes for the men's money in the bank too. Okay, you got Omos, who is this absolute giant. I'm not sure he's ready at this. I mean, look, he, he was with AJ Styles for a year. In-ring-wise, you had to learn a lot. He's been with MVP as a manager for about four, three, four months now. Three months. Three months. The man's had as good tutelage as you could hope for. Like if they're going to push him, they're going to push him, right? Um, you could do Drew McIntyre and he calls his own shot in Cardiff, but I don't think you need that to get there for Drew and Roman in Cardiff. Seth is doing great work, though. He's kind of been on a losing streak, pay-per-view-wise, for sure. Could see it being Seth, especially when it's going to be Brock and Roman at SummerSlam and they keep referencing Heist of the Century at WrestleMania. I could see it. I'd I'd like it to be Sami Zayn, personally. You know, get his first world title and it would suit the character and the dynamic of him kind of being a pseudo bloodline member does make it interesting with Roman Reigns, right? Like he could could make out, he could feign that he's not going to cash it in and that they can trust him and that he's keeping it in house, but really he's just waiting for the chance to screw Roman over and Roman knows it. That could be fun TV. Riddle has just had it all the stipulation come down that he can't challenge for the title again while Roman is champion. So, given him the briefcase seems a bit counterintuitive. I don't know if that supersedes that rule, um, but yeah, I don't know. You look at that field; there's still one more to be added. Don't know if it's going to be like a game-changing addition late in the day. Right, I don't know if they want Roman to survive the cash in, which they probably do. Heading into next year. To me, he's either going to carry it to face the Rock at WrestleMania or he's going to drop it to Cody Rhodes at some point. Uh, I don't know if the belts are going to be split again. That's all up for debate. But I think Sami Zayn will be the most entertaining. But I could see them doing Drew McIntyre. Just from a WWE hat on. Which is a dangerous hat to wear. Anyway, with all the wrestling in the rearview mirror there, pay-per-view wise, let's get... To the last interview, the only interview of this show, Miro sat down and spoke to SP3 and Sa-i Niangi, ahead of AW and New Japan Forbidden Door. It was really great to get my uh, two YouTube co-hosts the chance to speak to Miro it's a really good chat where he breaks down a lot from you know, the aforementioned John Cena and what he learned from that feud, his theme song, joining AW. There's a lot of great stuff packed in this interview. So without further ado, here is Mira.
0: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. From local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap2Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone. We are here
2: with former AEW TNT champion, probably future AEW All-Atlantic champion, God's favorite champion, Miro. Miro, we are so excited to talk to you. Thank you for your time.
3: Thank you for having me. I'm currently God's forsaken champion, but that will change in a couple of days.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We're rooting for you. You know, you're my guy to win this, man. I've been a huge fan of yours since the FCW days when you used to wear straps. Like, that's how back I go.
3: (laughs) Thank you, man. It was, uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. The other day I was thinking that was developmental was 2011. So it's been quite a few years since then.
4: Yeah. I've seen the changes when you used to wear like the gladiator, like towel thing you used yeah. to wear back in the days yeah, and yeah. then the trunks and the shorts, man, I, I've seen your evolution and Thank you. I'm just Thank so you. happy to see your success, man. Like Thank
3: that. you. It's all about evolving. You, you know, you get tired of seeing the same thing. We, as people, we trying to evolve and become better and better. And and this is what we led me to. I started, which was very funny Well, not funny, but you know, the look that I have now with the shorts, yeah. It was my kind of my original look that I wanted to when I debuted it for WWE back in the day. But I was told that, uh, you know, that's not a good look or whatever. They didn't like the shorts back then. So
4: it's what funny. about the barefoot? Because I heard that because you broke your foot, oh. you had to wear shoes. Did I um, go back.
3: No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. I already suffered once because of it. Then I learned my lesson.
2: You're you're evolving so much. I've been loving your work as of late, especially since your return. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about your injury that had you out for a a couple of weeks there? Because, you know, I missed you on television. You were sorely missed so much. So uh, tell us a little bit about that injury that you suffered.
3: Um, Well, I kind of pulled my hamstring back last year at some point, and then I was doing the movie, and then... You know, Tony Khan called me and the whole thing happened with with Mox. And, uh, you know, I'm a warrior. I'm a trooper. I got to step in. And it was an opportunity for the world title. I don't say no to that. So I took the first match. Unfortunately, after the orange match, like, my hamstring got even worse. It got, you know, torn in a couple of places. And then it was very hard because I had a week to recover to fight Brian Danielson the week after and i went to dr bull hightower you know the chiropractor who does all the magic stuff like i went to his office in new mexico and for a whole week he just worked on my hamstring just in just in order so i can be able to walk i couldn't even walk i couldn't run i couldn't do any of these things but thankfully to his magic hands and great ability of knowing the human body um you know i was able to to, to be back on my feet, I ran, I, I gave it a go. We had a great match for 20, 25 minutes, whatever it was. Unfortunately, you know, my hamstring couldn't couldn't hold on to as much as I wanted to. And after the loss with Brian, I had to take a few months off. But, you know, then, then again, I thought I was coming back earlier. I thought I was coming back around January. That's why those promos of The Void started coming out in December. But um, but that didn't happen. So I had to wait a little bit longer. Then I had a couple acting stuff that I had to do, some obligation, which became fantastic. And um, then I had to just wait, man, because our roster is stacked. You know, once you, you fall out of a cycle, it's totally okay because there are so many other great performers in this, in this company, in AEW. That's why I love AEW so much. Um, and then I just let these kids go, you know, let them go, let the, let the situation kind of figure out who's who, what's what. And the time was right in Los Angeles, California for my kind of my hometown in, in, in America for me to, to make a big comeback.
2: And it was a great comeback, great victory over Johnny Elite. Um, But one of the major things that's kind of you we've seen like evolve even in your time in AEW has been your your excellent theme. Uh, Tell us about like the what was like kind of the idea behind your theme to your theme you have right now. And what was like the first time you actually heard it? You mean my music? Yeah, the
4: Redeemer theme. Yeah.
2: Yes, the Um... Redeemer.
3: (laughs) <laughs> well, so the first one, the best man, he just came as a default, right? They, uh, so I had no involvement. But once I knew what I wanted to achieve, I wanted to find out who this redeemer is. I wanted to find out because it's not just about matches, it's about stories, about who you are. And yeah. I wanted to find out what matches the redeemer. And I always had this vision of the Taiko drums that I had in the beginning. I wanted to show far. I wanted, I wanted to be like, uh, like. Hans Zimmerman type of uh soundtrack you know like Inception like these. you gotta sound like heavy like something epic is about to go down and um and that's why I started working with with AW with uh with Mr. Ruckus himself and we send a few samples back and forth I told him no I want this in the beginning this in the middle I want this 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 and he did it to perfection and I couldn't be any more happier with my music I think it's a such a uh call to war since the beginning of the shofar, that there's no way but to set up the mood for the ass kicking that is about to follow up.
4: Love that, love that, Sat. Uh, just this go back a little bit, cause you're talking about how you're on sabbatical and you did a few roles. Uh, One of the ones that come up was East New York. Can you tell us a bit about that and the role you play in the, in the pilot?
3: Yeah, man, East New York was great. Um, I mean, I had this audition that it came out, it's a CBS pilot. Um, it's a cop show that it's developing in East New York, which is one of like the rougher area in New York with a lot of crime, and I had the opportunity to play Nikki Dushkin, who is, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil too much of the, okay. of the whole thing, but it's it's a great character. You know, I play. A lot of myself in there, meaning, you know, I'm I'm just uh, a Eastern European that is, is going to have it his way, <laughs> if you will. But it was a great opportunity because I got to once work with CBS, which is a great network. And, you know, all the executives were very fantastic, director. Everybody was such a great, and it was such a great learning experience. And, and I got to live in New York for two weeks, which never happened before. I used to hate New York, but now spending two weeks in Brooklyn, <laughs> Uh, it really kind of changed my opinion about the New York living.
4: In I, no I'm a New
2: York, I reacted that way because I'm a New Yorker. So that, oh, that, okay. that hurt me at first. But, okay. <laughs> but SPC, Man,
4: where you are you understand. right now, though? You got I, to understand. Were I'm visiting
2: the... the UK right now. So oh. <laughs> okay.
3: That's a little bit of change of scenery. <laughs> but I used to the, dislike New York heavily just because, you know, driving there and it's all the traffic and the headaches But now being able to be in one place for two weeks instead of just running like crazy was great because I didn't have to drive a car. I was just around my block in in, uh, Brooklyn. I was able to shop, you know, eat, uh, work out all within like 10 minutes walking distance, which I never had this in Bulgaria. So I really, really enjoyed that.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I love I love hearing someone get a change from that New York vibe. You get yeah, that man. New I was a
3: sworn enemy of New York until this time. So uh, I really, really looking forward to uh, going back again.
2: I, I'm gonna welcome you. You're 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 hey. always welcome. I, I'll show you the places where I know you know they have some. They appreciate the Bulgarian culture as well in New York. Hey, look at this! It's a melting pot. That, that's good. I love that. So I'll, I'll
3: take advantage of this next time
2: great great but you're making this transition into like acting and you've come across a couple of people that have also made that transition from wrestling to acting in your career before I know uh in previously in your time in WWE you had a segment with with The Rock that a lot of people were like mixed on some people thought it was like uh misogyny some other people loved it what do you remember about that segment and that interaction that you had with The Rock
3: well I had a couple of them I don't know which one you're referring to the
4: one with um, Lana, when yeah. it was with yourself and Lana and The Rock would say, would use colourful language about her, basically. Oh, the backstage one, but that was... Yes. The that yeah, was, the second one, yeah.
3: You know, yeah. it's just like, hey, look at me, I'm The Rock, I'm coming back, I need to make fun of everybody. So, which was, I mean, it is what it is at this point. But the first one, the actual one that was better was the one in Brooklyn that he showed up out of nowhere. We had a little talk and scuffle. I think that that left sour taste in his mouth because we got well even though he beat me up a little bit we kind of got a better of him so maybe he was just sour about that so he had to come back and, and talk bad about lana and or imagining things but we all know that rocky just likes to talk so it's it's not even offensive it's like that kid in your school where he's like all right look at this loud mouth he just thought i would have beat him enough it's like how many times i can beat him more before he stops talking clearly that's impossible
4: no, and speaking of, and speaking of Lana, I know you have probably been asked this so many times. I feel like the character arc of the Redeemer will Lana eventually appear alongside yourself. I think that's the question on everyone's mind. Well, the, the
3: I always know that me and
4: CJ. Uh, you know, we've always
3: been money together. Always been since the beginning. We've been brought up together. Everything we do, it's it's always better together. Just not just for my personal reason. It just it it has more eyes to it. Um, but like the Redeemer says, man, you know, all I wanted was my gold, my God, and my gorgeous wife. And and who knows? We're working towards it. I think uh, when the time is right, there's anything is possible. It's professional wrestling. <laughs> But the end of the goal is to to be all together, all three of us, whether it's going to be this week or next week or a year from now, we're just going to have to stay tuned.
2: I know a lot of people, you know, usually ask about, you know, CJ and she's, uh, I hear, also doing some work, you know, with acting and outside of professional wrestling. How is that going for her?
3: Oh, she's very happy, man. She's really, really enjoying the CJPerry.com website. She gets to get... Uh, you know, closer to her uh, friends and fans and all that. um, She loves doing that. She loves the photo shoots. She loves, you know, all this stuff, which we all, I mean, I kind of do photo shoots sometimes, but maybe I even have less clothing than her. I don't know. I'm trying to think about it, but who knows? (laughs) I'm making a big debut soon on cjperry.com as well. Nice. um so she loves that but also she loves the movies man she loves doing movies she came from hollywood she came she came from that aspect of the business and and she loves doing that she loves learning she loves going to school for it she she's producing a couple of uh projects as well so that's another thing that she's dipping into but it's all about developing it's not just about staying in one place about what, what's your dream what do you want to accomplish next and it's not i love i love acting as well but professional wrestling is always is always my love and always going to be my first love so it's not it's not like I'm turning my back to professional wrestling no come Sunday forbidden door I'm dragging people through and through and through the forbidden door so that's not going to change but every now and again when I have an opportunity to shine on the little screen in Hollywood or, or if they shoot it in Minnesota whatever it is I'm, I'm ready for that
2: yeah. And, you you know, there's been a lot going on with uh, Forbidden Door, even with your matchup at Forbidden Door for the All-Atlantic Championship. They just announced that Tomaru Ishii, who was supposed to be in the four-way, is yeah. injured, replaced by Clark Connors. How have you been kind of reacting to everything that's been going on where it's like kind of like an injury bug throughout the wrestling world, but especially in AEW heading into the big show?
3: Well, injuries are part of the business. That's why when people talk all that crap about professional wrestling, it's clearly not true because, I mean, everything is as real as it gets. You know, I had three surgeries. All these people are all getting banged and hurt. And now Brian and and Ishii and all these guys. But this is what happens, man. You're a warrior. You go out there, you perform to your best. And sometimes your body doesn't agree with it. You know, They say that every time you fall in the ring, equals for a car accidents because people don't understand that when your body hits that mat is your intestines inside it? they keep moving they, they don't have a stop so it's it's just bad for your body so it just if all the kids or anybody that's trying to get into the business you got to understand that that it's not it's not as easy or people would think it is um injuries happen, I had to readjust. I was studying Ishii after I found out the day before that I found out he's gonna be in the tournament, in the match. I've never wrestled anybody from New Japan before, so I was really excited. And I know that people have been asking for this match as well. And I love, you know, when people oh, this is my dream match, or this is the match I wanna see. I love that because I get to get in there, destroy the person they thought is so great in about five to 10 minutes and then keep living my life and, pro- and and prove that I'm once again better than everybody else. I'm a world champion material. Everybody knows that. Um, unfortunately, now that he's out, this other kid is in. I haven't, I don't know who he is. I haven't seen a single one of his matches. So that could be a trick. They may be, I may be taking them lightly, so you never know what this guy is going to come up with. But the other two I'm very familiar with, Black, uh, Malachi Black, I know, Pac, I know, I have a grudge towards him since he tore my bicep once upon a time. And uh, and the match is, it's for the first time ever. It's for the All-Atlantic Championship. There's, the stage is, is the biggest of the night. Everything else we've kind of seen, we've seen the world title, we've seen this, but this is something new and fresh than... Uh, it's, it has the opportunity to steal the show. Absolutely
4: and obviously, sad. yeah, obviously it's planning to use game over. I want to talk a little bit about how you've recently have modified the move. I see how you grapevine your opponent and you crank it back and do an even more devastating version. Yeah. Where did you come up with that idea to modify the move?
3: Well, um, it. It's like everything else you'll see. Like Kurt Angle, he used to have the ankle lock. Then he put the grapevine in. And once the grapevine was in, you know that that match was over. So I was I was trying to figure out how can I... Because, you know, sometimes I'll get the game over and sometimes you're slippery or they slip out and they're able to get to the ropes. But then I was thinking, how can I punish these guys, you know, harder? <laughs> and... um and and this is what I came up with. I think it was some one time. I think it happened by accident. I think not not by accident, but I just I went for the game over. But I yanked it really hard, so the guy fell backwards, and it was really he that kind of yelped out of pain. And I was like, okay, I think that can work. And sometimes if I can't pull him here, I just lock I just lock it. You know, my uh, my crook underneath, so I can. It's, it turns into a choke on top of everything else. So I mean it's 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 pretty much once I'm there that this is it. Everybody knows it is game over. So yeah, thankfully to Kurt Angle, thankfully to some experiments here and there, it, it developed this new finale. <laughs>
2: I just love how you, like we keep saying, your evolution and how you constantly evolved either your character, your in-ring work, and a lot of that, you know, came with your debut in AEW, and you brought up earlier, you know, coming in, you had the best man theme, Talk, talk to us about, like, your debut into AEW, what were you kind of told coming in, and how did you feel about your debut with the company? Um... Well, how I feel, it, it was
3: what it was. I was I was doing Twitch. So when Tony Khan signed me, I think he didn't sign Rusev guy from WWE. I think he signed Miro from from Twitch. And I was a but I was a I was buddy with Kip Sabian. We were twitching and all that kind of stuff. So to him, it makes sense. And and I was brought for a purpose, for a reason, to be the best man for their wedding. But you know, soon after, you know, we find out he found out who I am, who 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 really Miro is. And who? what is he capable of? And once he gave me the ball, he told me to run with it. I said, thank you very much, sir. Watch me go. And this is why we see the Redeemer. This is who I am. This is the child of my, uh, you know, of my of fruits of thinking and, and developing and, evol- and evolving and all that in character. Because... You have to evolve. You can't be just the same all the time. It gets boring and boring, and it's the same thing. And like I said, this is closer to me. This is what I want to do. And Tony Khan, being a great boss, allowing me to
4: do that. And now we
3: are ripping all the benefits.
4: Yeah, you've mentioned how, like, the AEW roster has expanded in your absence. Uh, Is there any wrestlers that you want to fight? Dream matches that you, personal dream matches that you have that you would like to have in AEW?
3: uh dream matches i mean i don't i I let the people get into that dream match situation i i'm not i'm not that kind of person all i'm looking forward is my next match because my next match is the most important match of course my last match was always important because i get to watch it and see what i did wrong what i did good uh what are the mistakes tactics strategies and all that so my next match is always my dream match, especially speaking now, Forbidden Door. It's the first time ever you see New Japan versus AEW. We introduced these new guys who are fantastic professional wrestlers with fantastic personalities. We got to introduce them to the United States audience, if you will. Unfortunately for the kid in my match, he's not going to be great representation because I'm going to tear his head off. Uh, but this is just the difference. You're going to tell, you know, it's it's the beauty of professional wrestling it's like coming together and and making magic um but yeah as far as my dream match I don't have a personal name there's not a single thing that I would like to achieve no it's just I want to be all Atlantic champion then I want to go for the world championship and those are my dream
2: stuff and you got the record to kind of back it up and i've been saying this for a while with everything i do that i want to see you with that aew world championship could you tell okay. us a little bit about that you know your your record is kind of one of the best in all of aew you only had you know the loss to brian danielson at full gear but you like you said before you weren't 100 percent. sammy Guevara, you know losing the tnt championship to him what kind of tell us about like how you feel about your own record and how it stakes your claim for for that top 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 prize
3: in AEW I mean my record is protected I'm you know I was off for a little bit so I could have cranked a lot more wins but unfortunately I was off but it's okay because it's about when you show when you step in there it's not I'm fighting class people I'm not fighting just Joe Schmoes all the opponents that are faced they're tough opponents uh, Ethan Page a fantastic wrestler known around the world uh, with the he his ego got too much in the way but Maybe that's why you name yourself oh eagle sometimes can play a trick on you, my friend. Uh, and then you have Johnny Elite who is another seasoned veteran. He's been everywhere, he looks great. he looks he's the definition of a professional wrestler. Unfortunately, he, he cannot last more than five to six minutes. So it's not just it's not just having matches that you drag him for 20, 30 minutes. you know these people are like, yeah, this is awesome, this is awesome, but what's so awesome? You couldn't finish the guy. In five to 10 minutes, you got to drag it for 30. That's why it's so awesome. Well, I don't get paid by the hour, man. I get paid to beat people, make it vicious, make it look like I'm going to tear your head off, which I'm going to tear your head off. And then come and collect my prize. This Sunday, my prize is going to be the all-Atlantic title. In a few months, my prize is going to be the World Heavyweight Championship because everybody knows I'm a world champion material. Everybody from Tony Khan to the audience to you, to you, to me, and if you call it otherwise, it's just going to be shortchanging the man who paid me so much money to stay in this company for long term.
0: That-
4: man, I, you know, there's more horses than before. There's like Keith Lee, the Samoa Joe, Wardlow's rising through the ranks. These are the people I want to see in the ring with. Is there any one of those guys that you want to step in the ring you think you can make magic with? Oh, of course, man. These, Those are great young uh, young guys. Samoa
3: Joe is not the youngest, but he's been around. He's been a world champion any, pretty much anywhere he goes but I respect Joe a lot he's a uh, he's another such a legit ass kicker that I would love to to face off with him and 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 put that classic put that meat to work. Uh, Wardlow is another guy who he's he's the young guy of the group uh, that you mentioned but he's got a lot more to learn. He's big, he's strong he's got the audience behind him but you know there's a difference between being on the road for 10, 12, 15 years doing it consistently. And another thing is just to show up. And a few months later, you know, you get the people behind you. You got the power bomb, symphony, or whatever you call it. But once you test yourself against one of these big guys like me, Joe, or, or some other one of these big guys who you, you have hard time to pick up for one of your power bombs, let alone five, then plans change, my friend. Then you have to find out what's your second move? What's your third move? How can you get around this big guy that you can not lift? And that's where the challenge for him is going to come. For me, I've wrestled anybody from, I mean, you can say Hornswoggle, if you will, up to Paul White, who is in AEW now. So I know how to wrestle all kinds of people with all kinds of sizes. And that's what experience come in hand in my case. So, But I know no disrespect to the guy. I think he's going to take him a little more time. He's on the right path for sure. And um, and good luck to him. I know he's going after the TNT title, which after, unfortunately, I lost it. He has lost his little sparkle but but it's not my fault I did my best I elevated that thing like everything I do unfortunately for the little dumbass Sammy and whoever else is involved in that situation just ruined that title for me but thankfully they didn't ruin my title which was the white and the green one and if you would have done that I would have taken it personally but unfortunately they're destroying their own little titles and I don't care about that
2: I love it. I love the energy that you keep, right? Uh, But you talked about a couple of your like most famous uh, opponents, future opponents that you've had. Uh, What is, you know, one of your one of the most popular and most memorable feuds you ever had was with John Cena. How Mm -hmm. was it working with John Cena? And, you know, I, we saw the interaction between you and him when he, the peacemaker premiered for HBO max and you were on the red carpet with him as well. What did you learn from him inside of wrestling? And did you learn anything for that as major transition into acting gone so well?
3: Uh, I've learned every, almost everything I do in the ring is because of John Cena, you know, we've seen, um, We've seen maybe 10, 15, 20 matches on TV that I had with him with his pay-per-views on TV or whatnot. But what people don't know is probably I had 5, six, a thousand matches with him, not on TV, uh, on live events or not te- non-televised events back in the day. And that's what I learned the most. I learned when I'm kicking his ass, you know, when these people were chanting something, oh, I know he's going to try to satisfy these people, so he's going to try to come up with something. So I got to figure out how can I counter that? It's a lot of the psychology you get to you get to learn when you work with him. It's just taking your time, and just yeah, because working with John, he's so, so resilient that you can beat him up for twenty. He's a guy that you can beat him for twenty minutes, and um, and he wouldn't give up because right, he never gives up. So you have to find a way. How can you pace yourself, but at the same time beat him up well enough so when he comes back, you get to have some energy to put all these extra maneuvers and trying to do the best as you can. And this is what I learned from him a lot. (laughs) More than 50% of professional wrestling, i probably learned from John Cena working with him. I can never be thankful enough for him for doing that. But even nowadays, I always respect John. His work ethic was always, you can't match his work ethic. The man learned Mandarin for Christ's sakes. Um, And now when you do the acting stuff, I, I text him every now and again, trying to find out uh, you know, just uh, advices that he can give me. And he's always been very, very generous with the advices
2: for me. Thank you so much. I appreciate your, your time, Miro. I do have one quick uh, question because I do take issue. You know, we are going to meet up when you're in New York and I'm going to show you where they appreciate the Bulgarian culture. But you're spending time in L.A., and I seen you rooting for the Clippers. I'm a Lakers fan, and I take that to heart. So we're rivals on the basketball court. But <laughs> how are you, New Yorker Lakers? Fan. <laughs> right? Isn't that interesting? Like, my Thank my you, dad Miro. used to show me old Magic Johnson videotapes when I was a kid. I was like, I can't root for the Knicks. Like the Knicks, come well, on. Well, you don't. You
3: don't like Charlie Ward back in the day. Oh, you, you bring Ron up Charlie Harper, Ward. You had point guards. Ron Harper. You had Charlie Ward. Um Stefan Marbury I mean come on that's true that's true I, I'm a Mark Jackson fan I, I love Mark Jackson Mark Jackson he's there. a great guy great coach as well great ana- analyst or whatever you call it Mark Jackson is another great guy so you have plenty of point guards but yeah you're right nobody like magic
2: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
4: thank you so much Miro. all right guys. thank you man thank
3: you <laughs>
2: all, right, all right this is Miro, SV3 set Miro Thank, thank you. you,
1: thank
3: you guys. <laughs> Redeemer out.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to Talk Wrestling, guys. That was AEW's Miro talking all things Miro. Shock. Would you believe it? Uh, it's been a great show. We were able to get into Money and the Bank. We got into Forbidden Door. We will be doing this with Jay Shell Nicole at some point. Our just schedules didn't line up this week. She was originally penciled in to do the Money in the Bank preview, but perhaps we'll do the review. We'll get on that next week and... Will Gavin will also be back in the hot seat then, so you don't have to listen to me go solo, which is a weird turn of phrase, but still, you know what I mean. There'll also be an announcement on the Cardiff weekend coming up shortly. We do have a show in the works. Will and I will fill you in on who's going to be in it, where it's going to be, and when, in due course, those talks are ongoing. But until then, thank you for listening to Talk Wrestling here on Talk Sport. We'll be back every week in the build-up to the big one in Cardiff. Make sure you stay tuned for all the good interviews that we've got coming up and the content that we're dropping on TalkSport.com as well. Until then, please do leave us that five-star review. It does help people find the podcast easier. Make sure you keep listening to us on wherever you get your podcast and plug it on social media. If you listen, let me know. Drop me a message. Tweet me a tweet, whatever verbs they are. Let me know. I uh, would love to hear more from you guys on this show. So thank you very much for listening to Talk Wrestling.
0: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone.